and welcome to Panorama. I am your only host today, Dan Torres, here, and I have two very special guests from the local area who I'm very excited to talk about, and I think listeners will be too, because they have some amazing stories to tell. So first up here is Frank Oglesby Jr., and people are going to learn about Frank today, and I'm really excited to have him on. Frank, thanks for coming on Panorama. Thank you, Dan, for having me. Yeah, so Frank, tell me a little bit about you uh, living out here um, in Western Massachusetts. How long have you been out here? Uh, been, I've been in Western Mass since 1995. I originally went to UMass, Amherst. UMass, a local, and, uh, all right. I, I met the love of my life at UMass, and uh, she was local to Springfield. Very nice. So okay. we felt at some point we probably would make that move back here because it's a great place to raise children. Absolutely. But I recognize your voice from somewhere, Frank. You know, I get that sometimes. Do you get that sometimes? Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I even got that on the vineyard, but, but we'll get... Uh, uh, even on the vineyard, week, of course. A week and a half ago, but we'll get into that in a minute. Well, I'm sure we I'm, will. I'm, I'm known yeah. in Boston as the voice of the MBTA, the voice of the T. The voice of the T. That's where I was going to go with this. So, so tell us that story, Frank. How did you get started uh, working for for the T in Boston. Okay, I had some writing experience through UMass. I wrote and edited for a magazine called Drum Magazine that won a collegiate award for journalism back in '82. In 1984, I was unemployed and looking for a job. I graduated in '83 and had worked temporary uh, jobs here and there. My dad was a 34-year bus driver at the MBTA, and one of his supervisors said, "Hey, Frank." Frank Sr. Your boy's looking for work, right? Yeah. Well, he's got uh, experience in, in writing from what our conversations have been in the past. They're looking for an editorial assistant in the general manager's office. He should apply. I did. I got the job for the, for the general manager. I, uh, I proofread and wrote almost all of his correspondence, and I also proofread all the contracts that he signed for, I think it was a five, I was there from 84 until 88. Wow. Uh, and that's why I wear glasses, because I Because you've been reading a lot for three years. <laughs> Stacks of contracts. But here's the amazing thing. You never moved out of Western Mass. Um, actually, I, yeah, yeah. Went to, went to UMass, moved back to Newton. Oh, okay. And lived in Newton and also Boston for a okay. while. So you lived there for a while. Okay, yeah, for while a while. And then, okay. then um, my wife uh, had an opportunity in 1995. She was in. Uh, uh, she worked for um, the probation department, and she had an opportunity for advancement, and um, we agreed to move back out here. Uh, okay, from Newton. Yeah. All right. Wow. Okay, so you're working for the MBTA. You're working for the general man- general manager of the entire place. How did you go from that to doing the work of The Voice? And then I want to hear from you, what is the job of The Voice? Okay. The general manager ended up moving on, and uh, I I transferred to the marketing and ridership department slash the communications department. And they had a little, they had a video unit run by a former operator named Ed Vardabedian, and uh, they were looking for people to narrate training videos. Mm. Now, they had a gentleman who was a, a bus driver who had a very deep voice, bass voice on baritone, bass voice with a southern accent. Mm. And that worked for a while. Mm-hmm. He happened to hear about me, and he's like, hey, everybody's talking about your voice. Hey, you got a great voice. 
Will you come in and read for me? Are you interested in doing it? I said, sure, because I, you know, I'd done college radio at UMass. Sure, sure. And I was like, I, I'm not afraid of a microphone. Yeah, yeah. So I went and read for him. He says, sound good. Are you interested in recording training videos and safety videos for us? It, at the time, it was video cassettes, you know, the big video cassettes. I mm -hmm. was like, sure. And that was the start. And then that was back in 89, 90. Uh, in 94, they came to me and said, uh, the FTA has been fining us because motormen and operators aren't, aren't reciting station stops. Mm. So they're fining the T for that each, each time. I, guess, I don't know how they could track it. but right. And they said, we're going to get new red line trains that have an automated voice component. Mm. We'd like you to record the, uh, the red line the red line announcements. And I was like, really? That's cool. Uh, this is on top of your regular job? Yeah. 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 At the time I was, um, I trained collectors, the people who used to, uh, yeah. the workers who were in the subway in the booths. Yeah. Yeah, booths selling tokens. I yeah, trained yeah. them. Yeah. Customer service training. And right, right. Uh, they call it charm school. Yeah. Deal with the public properly. <laughs> so I, I recorded, uh, they recorded it on a, literally on a cassette tape and they had a series of cassette tapes that they would put on the put near the mo the motorman and he would press buttons for each stop and uh, it's much more advanced now yeah yeah so i, I got to understand this so it's now pre-recorded but the pre-recorded is that the machine voice or is that your voice and when i'm hearing the intercom is that your voice or is that the computer i guess it depends sometimes it's me giving certain station announcements yeah uh, either in in station, you know, the the next red line train to Alewife is now yeah, approaching. approaching or is now arriving. That kind oh of I would say approaching, and then twenty seconds later is now arriving. That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's automated. But it and is your voice, and yeah. but it's automated. Yeah, got and it. Digitally, it's tripped by the train reaching a certain point. Point. Point in, point in, in the, the station. Station. Wow. And it's just it's digital, and it it, it happens. Uh, some some announcements like the countdown. Yeah, that's a that's a digital voice uh, from the company. I think Siemens is the contractor, the um, engineering contractor who um, provides that. But I'm on all the buses. Yeah, uh, my voice is on the buses. It's red line, blue line, orange line, green so line. The voices are just pre-recorded, but they are your voices. So as they're reaching the station, basically right. your voice comes on, but yeah. it's like automated. For the, most part, For the most uh, part, here and there, occasionally you'll you'll hear someone else say a word or something. Yeah, I, just, I don't, I, I can't give an example, but I've I've been on the train and I heard I heard someone else's voice with a word or or or, or a certain station, maybe yeah, maybe yeah, a yeah. street changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't want to get me in. So they just had a, an employee, an employee just, 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 just recording. Is there a team or is it just you it's that just does me. recording? It, wow. it, it has been just me. Sometimes the green, the green line is an interesting uh, operation. They do their own thing. So mm -hmm. for the longest... They do their own yeah, thing. They do their, They're they, special. They, they, they appear to be very special. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my commentary on the green line. So sometimes they'll have announcements that aren't me. And, and it's wow. funny. I've read, I've read where... Riders say, what, what's up with Frank and the Green Line? How come I don't hear Frank on the Green Line? <laughs> and uh, 
<laughs> you know, I've chimed in here and there. Like oh, Grey yeah. Line special, they do their own thing. They do their own thing. And they have yeah. their own voice, really, and, and their own systems. It can be any, anyone. Just yeah. they, can probably, they probably get an operator to do it. Right, right. You know? So, all right, so, so you were doing uh, irregular work, plus you were doing the recording. What would happen in a day where there was like a medical emergency of some sort or, or something like that? Or the marathon bombing uh, happened. I was living in Everett. I was in Cambridge at that time. Uh, it's an emergency situation. Do they call you in and be no. like, hey, you got to start reading this? No. Or no? No, they didn't. No? Okay. No. So it's like pre, it's like preset then? It's like, hey, this is the emergency button in case we have this type of emergency yes. situation? Yes. Yeah. They, okay. When they call me in, I end up reading maybe 10 pages of, of lines. Okay. And I give them each line maybe three different ways all the way through page after page after page after page. And I'm usually done like within 10 10 minutes like tops because I've done it for so long it's 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 like second nature yeah the the, the engineer there calls me one take Frank one take which, Frank which is funny. Oh, wait, that's your nickname for this one show. Take, it's One Take one Frank. Take Frank yeah. But with that voice, Frank, wow, man, you should Thanks. you should be in radio, buddy. Thanks. Thanks. Well, I, did, I did a little did. bit. I did some spots for GBH. Oh, very nice. They interviewed me right before I retired and again after I retired. The show is called Boston Public Radio. Marjorie Egan and Jim Browdy, they okay. interviewed me and they had me, they had a, they pitted me against Dan Goonan, who was, who was a voiceover pro for the station okay it was it was a lot of fun it was a competition there? yeah yeah okay. we had some, immediately after someone in the hallway introduced me to a producer who wanted to know if i'd be willing to do spots and campaigns for them i said when do we start i got <laughs> i was so excited because it was a i had tried to i had applied to gbh back in 84 the same time that i applied for the mbta and i was this close Wow. To, to being to having a morning classical radio show between three and six and and the MBTA job and as editorial assistant. Job. Yeah. I and the only reason I didn't get it was because I opened my mouth and the hiring person at the time had a problem with it. Uh, well, in twenty sixteen, GBH there was an article that Boston magazine did about me joining GBH. Okay. And they said, um, we're we're fixing up what we messed up 30 years 30 ago. years ago we, we have frank now wow which was, which was so cool yeah that must be nice so cool that be nice to read that's awesome um wow we're talking here with one line frank oglesby jr i should say the voice of the mbta here on panorama frank tell us a little bit about the retired 2016 that's actually when i left boston as well oh. why, why did why did you leave uh the the mbta and the voice back then well well um I guess about that time, the state was was offering incentives for people who had who had been around longer than retirement age, and uh, it, some of the offers were just incredible, too too good to be true, and uh, um, and some some agencies got better offers than others, and sometimes you see an offer come and you're like, wow, if I don't take that, I I'm making a mistake. Yeah, it might it might not. Might not come well around. For, for me. <laughs> so I had been I had been at the T for thirty one and a half years, yeah. and I I'd always wanted to to do some this this one thing in particular, which was act and and do voiceovers. Yeah, and uh, I thought if not now, 
this is a great time. Tell us a little bit about the acting that you do. Or I've been Screen done. Actors Guild since 1989. Wow. So I've done have you, industrial, movie, TV stuff, TV episodes of TV stuff where a lot, a lot of stuff is, has been stand-in, done a lot of extra work. And um, for industrials, which were um, uh, acting for training videos, I, I did a, a lot of industrials in the 90s where I was like a, the lead, a principal. I got a lot of principal roles. And then in... What was your favorite? Oh, um, I did stuff for... I did a few for Harvard Business School Publishing. I did Chris, Pepsi Crystal Light. I did, I did uh, a Sears training videos. I did a lot because I, wow. I, I had that management... And I, and I was management. I was okay. yeah. just under senior level management at the MBTA for about twenty of my of my thirty one years. I had that 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 um, that manager's bearing. I, I had that mature look, and it worked on camera. And I and I sound the way I and sound. you sound the way you do. So you it, sound it, very authoritative. It yes, yeah, it works. It did very well in the nineties. <laughs> I bet it did. And then and then oh um, seven and oh eight came, and um, I ended up shifting to a position with. The ride at the MBTA, which was um, the Office of uh, Transportation Access for People with Disabilities. Yeah, um, and that that was that's a twenty four seven job. Um, had an amazing staff. They practically ran it. I just directed them to the extent that I could mm. uh, because they were awesome, excellent, knew way more than I did. I learned on the job, mm. and thanks to, thanks to them, we were very successful. We did we did very good work. And that constituency deserves and requires your full attention. So I wasn't off trying to be Hollywood, you know, yeah, trying yeah, to, yeah. you know, but you were my bad. other passions. I, I thought, you know, when that, when this is over, yeah. I'll go back to that. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it, it, I mean, from what I'm hearing from you though, you had to juggle quite a lot though. You were doing, you know, senior level and then you were on the ride and then you also did the voices for the MBTA. So, the, I mean, I know that all might've conflated a little. It's varied and it's, uh, we, there was enough time in the day to get it all done. Wow. Yeah, it was interesting. It was, it was never boring. My life has, has never been boring. That's good. And I'm I, never bored, which is, which <laughs> I understand is probably hard for some to hear. <laughs> but that's great. As long as you're loving it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, is that, yeah. is that the key to success to yes. enjoying it is that you enjoyed it every day? Yeah. And, was, and even when I didn't, I'm like, okay, there's a lesson to be learned here. Pay mm -hmm. attention. Mm. Don't want to miss the lesson. Right. I'm at a hair care festival. Yeah, yeah. Across from the Inkwell. You don't I need should, to. I should show you this on TikTok. And someone's like, you sound familiar. I'm like, you ever take the tea? You from Boston, <laughs> right? You ever take the tea? The voice of the tea. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So three of them wanted me to re record. And, <laughs> and one of them actually put it on TikTok. I'm like, what? Okay, How many views did he get? Oh, oh it's, it's, I think, over like... 300,000. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. Oh my uh, God, that's it crazy. Won't be. Yeah. Occasionally someone will just know I, it. Yeah. And, you know, I've done enough. I'm on the, I've been on the cover of different newspapers, below the fold, all that stuff. The Metro, I've been on the cover of the Metro two or three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, Frank, Frank, Frank. Oh, yeah, he takes the red line all the time. So okay. people know when I'm on the train, too, sometimes. Wow. It's interesting. It, I guess it never Do gets Do you sign old. autographs too, Frank? It's happened. Yeah, I've done no, it. No, yeah. I've, I've, had, I've had mothers contact me because like, I'm their favorite thing about the tea. I'm like a hero in their household, <laughs> and they want me to, to give 
happy birthday messages sure. by phone, and, and yeah, I've done yeah, yeah. it. And you've done it, wow. Yeah, free. For free, yeah. yeah. I was going to start saying, Frank, I mean, you also have a business, too. I mean, it's... Yeah, but I'm not going to do that yeah. for the little kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. School, I've been, intro- I've been brought to, school, to a school to talk to a second grade class because oh, yeah. one of the second graders idolized me, and the teacher's like, I want to surprise him. <laughs> and the, the mother couldn't keep the surprise. So, right. you know, so, you know, to, to help, you know... Yeah, yeah. The, the teacher had the kid meet me. Okay. Jakai had him meet me at the principal's office. So when I, I, I come in, he's like, oh, Frank Oglesby, you're Frank Oglesby. Shakes my hand. Then he's walking, he's walking me to his classroom. I can't believe it. I'm with, I'm with Frank Oglesby. Little, little kid. I'm like, it's cool, man. Just That's relax. great. Yeah. It's a and they, an hour, they asked very intelligent. I was like, yeah. they're in second grade? Yeah. Incredibly yeah, yeah. mature questions. How wow. did you deal with being bullied? Stuff yeah. like that, and, I, and yeah. it brought me back, and I'm like, yeah. oh, my goodness. Wow. That's good stuff. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's, that's great. That's, so that's cool. what radio's all about. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, sharing these stories. The wisdom from Frank here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> tell, tell, us a little bit, tell us a little bit more. I mean, so you did WGBH uh, locally. Are you looking for talent right now? No, no, What's no, I don't mean? recruit. Do you, I'm, I'm you a one-man shop. You're a one-man shop. I know I have, there are colleagues I have who, who do that. They okay. have their own voiceover co- business and company, and they've tried to recruit me. And they've tried to recruit but you. But uh, right now I'm, I'm, you're, a, you're I'm about solo. myself. Yeah. So if somebody is hearing your voice right now and are saying to themselves, wow, we need to get a hold of Frank because we need to do It's happened. People, people reach me through Facebook under Frank Edward Oglesby, and they also reach me through LinkedIn. It's happened a lot. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so you're saying social media, they'll yeah. find you. Yeah. I mean, anybody can Google you. There's a lot written oh, about sure. you. I, I've read the, yeah. the Boston Globe yeah. article, yeah. so it's, it's not hard to find you. But then it's like, yeah. where's the email or do I contact through social media? But really, you're saying you check all of that and uh, oh, yeah. anybody wants to reach yeah. out to all you. All the time. Very nice. All the time. Very nice. And uh, okay, to wrap up, what would you say is your favorite thing? about working at the MBTA after oh, the 31 years, you said. Right. What would you, what would you say is the number one thing you loved about working for them? Uh, camaraderie, teamwork, um, the friendships I made, um, the fact that you can bond with people who are about custom, all about customer service, mm-hmm. um, serving the customer, mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to help people in the best way that you could. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very fortunate to be with a committed groups of people in each of the seven or so departments that I was in over the 31 and a half years. Wow. It's great. The MBTA is the heart of the economy of New England, definitely of Massachusetts. Um, I mean, without that T, Boston shuts down. And I, I saw it happen when I was there. Without the T, it's like traffic jams. People don't end up going to work. I know the pandemic changed a lot. And economics behind it. Go ahead, Frank. Just one thing. I'd be remiss in saying that the, the main reason that I'm in Western Mass is because I married a, a college, my college sweetheart, Margaret, Margaret Elizabeth Jones. And um, she passed on from Alzheimer's in, in 2020, August of 2020. Sorry. Um, she was a probation officer in Springfield for Hamden County. And then she, her last position was here in Northampton as a... Um, chief probation officer um, for either the superior dist- uh, district court, one of, one of the two. And um, it's, if you have a chance, find her obituary in the Republican and also the Globe. They're extensive. 
and the Globe did a feature story on her as well as an obituary. Wow. Which it's just phenomenal because yeah. she was a phenomenal person. Yeah. The, the, the probation um, department has an annual award in her name now. Wow. Um, for veterans who, are, who, who work. Um, they choose a, a, a veteran as the winner every year uh, during a Veterans Day breakfast. Okay. And she was a veteran yeah. as well. Wow. Yeah. She, she was a Bronze Star recipient. She was a commander. She commanded 150 troops in Afghanistan, brought them all over, brought them all back. They're in country for seven months. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, thanks I mean, for, thank, thanks, thanks for, for sharing. Thanks for allowing me to, to yeah, say that. Absolutely. I mean, that, those are the stories that we love hearing about. Thanks for sharing, by the way. I really appreciate that. Up next, we'll talk to Betsy Frederick, who is the owner of Raven Bookstore here in Northampton. Been asking you to come on for a very long time, Betsy, because I've heard so much about your bookstore, but I don't know if it's rumor or truth or you know fake news. I don't know. Let's start from the beginning here. How did the bookstore get started? Were you the original owner? Originally, there were three of us when we first started: mm -hmm. me, uh, John Petrovato, and David Lovelace. So we were three owners to start. And, and, uh, and yeah. did they own the bookstore? And did they say, hey, Betsy, come run this? Or did, were you all three? No, um, we were all working at different bookstores at that point. They were working at the book mill in Montague. Mm -hmm. They owned the bookstore part of that. And I mm -hmm. was working for Atticus Books in Amherst, which had bought the Albion bookstore was where I started. Okay. And so they approached me and they said, we want to open another store in Northampton, but we can't leave our jobs. Do you want to run it? Do you want to go in and be partners with us and run this be the manager. Mm -hmm. So I said, yes, I'll do it. And that was in what year? 1993. 1993. Okay. I have to know this. How did, how did you get to the name The Raven Bookstore? Well, it took us a long time to think of a name. We, we, we failed for a long time. We, we, one of the original names we came up with was Acme Book and Toaster. <laughs> So that's why the store has toasters in it, because we thought it would be a catchy, funny name, and Acme would be first in the phone book back when they were... So we couldn't think of a good name for a long time, and then uh, finally it just hit us, you know. Well, we liked birds, and I was sort of arty, so I knew I could make a bird and make it for the logo, and uh, so we were like, oh, Poe and the Raven, oh, right, all right, we'll just do the Raven, and... That sounds good. We'll do and, that. And what were the names before the Raven? Before you guys had a Raven and Acme? Do you well, you we there was a uh, it was like Red Raven. We we dealt with a lot of colors, you know, green, blah blah. I, I can't remember all the other ones we had. I like that. The Red Raven. Red Raven could have worked. It could have worked. But then you're like, why red? Just why red? Exactly. Yeah. There was no real explanation. We wanted to keep for that. it simple. Tell us a, a little bit about the books that you sell. Uh, how does how's your bookstore different than most other bookstores that we have in the area? And then, hold on, fact or fiction, were you an anarchist bookstore or not? The fact is, one of my business partners was into anarchism. Okay. And he held uh, anarchism meetings at the store, and that was his primary focus. He did a mail-order business. This was John Petrovato. He did mail-order anarchist books. And so we always had a big section of that. And so we kept, you know, we kept a big section and even now to this day, we still, we still carry still some. still do. Okay. Yeah. So it was because one of the owners was into it, had meetings for it and all yeah. of that. Okay. Yeah, Cause exactly. everybody seems to originally think that the Raven was an anarchist. Yeah. No, I mean, not the whole really, store, yeah. but we always had the section and he did have meetings and stuff like that in there. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the books you sell in case anybody hasn't walked in there, which I doubt <laughs> hasn't happened already, but go ahead. We try to have something up for everyone. We mm -hmm. have, we have 
new and new, well, we don't have too many new books, but um, we have used books and discounted new books. And we just have, we try to have everything. We have kids' books, cookbooks, philosophy, science, math, literature, All gardening. All yep. Yeah, just academic presses. Academic too. presses yeah. and, you know, regular stuff. and Very nice. Um, gift stuff. We try to yeah. just have and it, and not just books. Poetry. Not just, yeah, and not just books either, I've noticed, that you also do sell other items too. you got T-shirts, cups, yeah. and other tote things. Bags tote and bags and kind of the swag, the Raven swag we have. They're popular, those tote bags. They're very popular. I know. I can't the get students, my hand the on them. Smith College, they love, they love the tote bags. They, it's the it's, tote bags. They're, they, they're a good seller. It's so flattering that people come and like How me. does that make you feel? Um, very, you know, honored that people like the, they like, they like it so the much design. that they want to buy it. And yeah. it's, it's, it's very humbling. Yeah, that's great. Hold on. I got, I got to go back to the original. I, and I probably should have asked this question earlier. I heard and also seen some pictures, some of those VIP parties. And, uh, I don't know if I was invited to it or not. I was going to say, has, was Frank invited to it? Probably not. You know, I mean, nobody got to go to these well, VIP parties in the Ravens. I didn't know you back then, Dan. Know, if okay. I had known you, Can you tell us a little I bit certainly about would have invited you. Uh, the VIP <laughs> parties. So, so what was it? Was it just you knew a couple people or were they like your regular customers? And what was, was going on in those parties? mostly friends and some regular customers. I was a huge, um, I still am a huge reggae fan. Mm. And so I would always go out and, uh, I would host parties at my house, mm-hmm. um, reggae bashments. And so we said, well, once we get the Raven, it's a bigger space. We could we could have a few of these parties. And uh, there's no one living upstairs, so we can be loud. And uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we had a few epic, epic parties there. Oh, I can only imagine. It was fun. Rumor has it there's some photos, too, but well, I won't talk about photos. that. Well, there's some photos. We had even built a little stage. People <laughs> love to dance, so we had built a little stage at one time. We even had a stage that had a little catwalk that went out that people would go out and do their dance. <laughs> it was fun. Oh we had goodness. so much fun. I bet you did. I bet you did. <laughs> Reggae parties at the Raven. Who knew? Who knew? And I, was that something that would go on once a year for several years? Or like was that just whenever you felt like no, it? What was going yeah, on there? No, it was probably once a year for a few years. Once a year for a few years. Yeah. Okay. As we got, over time, we got more and more books into the store. And then you didn't have the space to do it. And then the it, it became harder and harder to do it. Plus, we got older and older. So it became uh, harder to move. We had to move, you know, you'd have to clear everything up and then clean it all up before the next day. Before the next day, yeah. Yeah. Got a little too much. I bet. I bet. All right. We're, we're talking here with <laughs> Betsy Frederick, the owner of the Raven Bookstore in Northampton Bookstore, my favorite bookstore. But And, and it's so amazing because I used to come by and I was like, okay, there's, there's one in Northampton. There was one in Amherst. And then I also moved out to Boston and there were like two in Boston. And that was pretty amazing. So, so tell us, like, when did you have this, like, surge in success that you just said, hey, I, let's go to Boston? I know there's a Cambridge store. There was one on Newberry Street, but that closed. I used to go there. But I could imagine the rent prices there are a little, the little high. high there. Yeah, so the, the Boston stores came about when I had originally had those three partners. I ended up buying them out about a dozen years in. And then John, one of the partners, met his wife, and she lived in Boston. She worked in Boston. So he wanted to open a Raven in Boston. Mm. Um, and I, I just sort of didn't want to be partners and have to go to Boston all the time right. and to deal with that. So at that point, we decided to split the business sort of financially. I mean, we stayed friendly. Yeah. And we made the decision that we could both use the same name because it took us so long to come up with it. And then he, so he opened one in Harvard Square. And then 
not that long after he did Newberry Street. Mm. But then the rents did get too high for him. Yeah. He's, he closed the Newberry Street one. He is still open in Harvard Square. Yeah, and they changed locations, but still there. Changed the locations. And then the one in Amherst we used to have used to be in Coach Cal's closet in that little That little place tiny never place. has any success. It, it's, it's small and down below. And, and so, it's not on the main area yeah, where people are walking. That's yeah, the problem. so we didn't keep that one too long. We tried Greenfield, too, for a couple of years, but then that. Uh, oh, you were in Greenfield? I didn't know Greenfield, about that. Yeah. Downtown? Um, the new block, the block that Jordy Harold bought oh, okay. with the Seymour bar yeah, yeah. and the Greenfield Coffee. The Greenfield oh, that Coffee, corner. that area corner? Yeah. We were, Get we out. Were you were there for how many years or just a couple months? I think, no, it was like maybe three years. Wow. All right. Every bookstore has got to have some great workers, great employees. Tell me about them. How long have most of them been there? Well, and, we uh, have great workers. I've been very lucky over the years. Um, We've had many people that have just stayed a long time. Mm. You know, Kirsten's been there 20 years. Wow. We've had Christopher 20 years. Wow. You know, Aaron's yeah. there and Dan, Ben, yeah. the Delisle sisters. You know, we people, they t- tend to stay there. One of my original jobs was up at the book mill was yeah. where I first got into that. And Jim Murphy was the owner there. And his philosophy was just find people that like to work people that like to keep busy, and let them do whatever they want. Wow. Just get them in and yeah. let them do what they want. And so people that are good like that, they they like it. They stay. Since you said you were working at the book mill, how did you get into working books? Did you just always love books and you just said, let me go work at a bookstore? Or? No, no. I, I used to always read. I liked to yeah. read. But when I graduated UMass in 84, there were not a lot of jobs available. And, and uh, That Reagan economy. It was a tough time. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, I did a few stints here and there at Kmart and stuff, Yankee Candle. Yeah. And then I ended up working for myself as a clean-in person. Okay. So I cleaned things, cleaned houses and stuff and um, offices. And my friend who worked at the Albion Bookshop in Amherst said, well, we need someone to clean the Albion. And I was like, all right, I'll clean that. And then, so that's where I met the owner there. Then they had someone get out sick who was, worked in the back filing. She got mono, so she was going to be out for months and months. They were like, well, do you want to be the filing clerk? And I said, yeah, sure, I'll be the filing clerk. So I did that, and then after that, he bought the book mill in Montague, and then they needed someone to work up there. And he said, well, do you want to go up there? I said, sure, I'll go up there. So I ended up working there. That was the first bookstore part I really worked in was the book mill. Wow. Back wow. then, it was funny because there was no customers. There, there was, there was the, nothing. There was nothing <laughs> there going was nothing. on out there. No one could find it. No one knew anything. <laughs> What's the moniker that they have there? Uh, well, books you don't need in a place you can't find. <laughs> <laughs> That's some good marketing right there. You, you've gotten better over the years in terms of marketing. Some good stickers. I see them in cars all the time. Yeah. But now there's actually a little bit happening in Montague. There's a couple of like, oh, restaurants. There's a, oh, there's sure. There's the restaurants. Restaurant there now, yeah. and, uh, coffee shop, yeah, yeah, great, and you get to look out in the the windows to see the the waterfall. Yep. Kind we of used to have like a little self serve coffee. That was our cafe. We had yeah. like a little money yeah, bucket. Yeah, the stream, stream. All right. Well, a lot has been written about Amazon and shoppers going online. Has that affected the Raven? You know, it did at first when Amazon first went went on. There was a dip, and everyone had and the Kindle was the other thing. People were like, "Well, I can just get it on the Kindle." But because we're used books and kind of quirky, weird books sometimes, people would just come in and end up buying stuff that they wouldn't even find on Amazon. Right. 
and then it seems the Kindle's kind of dropped out of favor. I don't hear people say that so much. Oh, I'll just get it on my Kindle. It seems everyone's sick of looking at the screens and they're they're already looking at screens for eight hours a day. They're doing it. They're sick of it. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know for everybody, but right. So there was initial dip in the business, but now it's kind of leveled off again. Right, right. And no. uh, I mean, that's great to hear that you found a niche, I guess, in the market. It's a it, little niche, I guess. I mean, yeah. we're, we're lucky we have a nice location and yeah. good landlords. And, yeah. uh, you and know, the pandemic helps. didn't stop you either. No, we soldiered through the pandemic. You know, we had to reduce things. Sure. You know, we, we, we lost a bunch of people and, you know, they moved on to other things. And so it was a big shake up. It was a big change. Yeah. So now I'd be now we're back. I'd be reminisced to not ask. Uh, I'm curious to know about this area's reading habits, and since you've been around for 29 years, I'm curious to know this uh, answer to this question. Since you work at a bookstore, how has the reading habits changed? Specifically, like Barack Obama's election, 2008 economic crisis, Trump's election. COVID. Is there a pattern? Like, do people all of a sudden start buying different type of books and no. stuff like that based on that? The or is it hard to say? The presidents don't change it so much. Okay. They, like, we didn't really see much with Trump and Obama and that okay. kind of stuff. The pandemic, everyone wanted disease books. They wanted the plague. They wanted all things about disease. Yeah. You know, uh, What about science. the 2008 economic crisis where people, like, all of a sudden buy Marx or something like no, that? No, no. It stays pretty steady. Okay. People buy the same stuff. Okay. But so the pandemic pretty was pretty... Was the a pandemic pretty was a... Yeah, that scared people and they, yeah. they, they wanted to learn about that. There was yeah. a lot of... And, and how pandemics in the past, there was a lot of sort of that medieval history about oh, yeah, the plague yeah, yeah. and stuff. It, it all well, got, a, 19, got a little resurgence. 1918 is in medieval. Yeah. You know, no, no, not that, here. but yeah. from yeah, back yeah, before. From back before. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, the plague that destroyed Europe. I mean, yeah. It was a, yeah, and then the 1918 one, too. The yeah, flu. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So were you, like, specifically looking out for those books? And oh, yeah, we would buy those. And then, yeah. then after it got over, everyone was bringing them back and reselling, and, and reselling them. And they're, them. they're still selling now, though. The oh, that's good. Books, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, good. I, I don't <laughs> I mean, know if I should use that word. It's good, but <laughs> I don't know if it's people good. People are still interested. They're still interested yeah. in buying that. That's great. You own a bookstore in Northampton. It's been going on now for almost 30 years. Next year will be 30 years. I got to know this. What is the best part about owning a bookstore in Northampton? And is it is it the cool people who end up uh, recording messages on your phone? Well, that is definitely one of the coolest things. And the other thing is that you hear, you, you learn something new every day. You see a different title, you see a different book. You're like, oh, I never heard of that before. And then you hear it. And then people like Frank one day could walk in. He recorded our phone message for us. We, we were totally floored. He was I so knew nice. I recognized that from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> now we feel so famous. <laughs> You're connected back to Boston, right? It, yeah. was, uh, it, was, it was so good. It's, it's interesting how networks work in that way, right? It is. You meet one person, you introduce them to somebody else, and other people then spread out. And yeah, you just don't know. This... The, the bookstore lends um, an atmosphere where you people talk and chat right. and... So it's, you know, it's so a bit it's, like the coffee shop, the cafes were, like right? Like the 20th century. The... Although that could be a good idea one day, bring that together, right? A bookstore and coffee? Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, not for you, <laughs> Betsy. Me. You're selling books. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> I, I, people have tried it, you know? I, oh, oh, can I tell you one cool, one cool yeah, idea I've heard? There was a, a, like a, a place in New Hampshire, out of all places, that was combining drinks like a bar and books. Oh, the book and bar. Well, the, the my other two partners, Dave and John, yeah. they 
ended up starting that. They started that? They started that. No the way. book and bar, sure, the Portsmouth book and bar. I've been meaning to go. Oh, yeah. look, get out. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. They That's started cool. That. When yeah. did they start that? A couple of years back? Yeah. Maybe it's been a little while, maybe like 10 years ago. Like 10 they years have since ago. sold it on to other people, but they they started that. I want to say 10 years. It might have been. They yeah. started that 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah. they got the concept down and they're like, okay, we can integrate drinking plus reading. Right. Because that was that sort of, of happening at the book mill a little bit because the book mill right. had coffee and then they started to have beer and then they kind of like, well, we could do this book and bar. What about book and bar? Yeah, that makes total sense to just integrate all of that yeah. too together. Yeah. So they, they did that. Yeah. yeah. And and your bookstores, you still buy back books. I know that, you know, given the changes to the economics because of COVID, um, is that is that still happening? Do people yeah. do people oh, yeah. get to bring back books yeah. we, and, we and sell them and sell them to you? And you mainly buy what type of books again? Mostly academic. We look for um university presses and you know, philosophy, science, nature. Yeah. Literature, poetry, right, art, right, right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I may add that you actually give out cash. You pay, you buy it back. And we I do. just give store credit because no, I think both. most bookstores, because I think you do both. We do but most books. Yeah, most bookstores don't buy yeah. back nowadays. That was a pre, that was a COVID thing because before COVID, most of them were buying back books. Yeah. And but I think post COVID changed a lot. I mean, we did stop. Initially, after the COVID, I mean, everyone was kind of freaked out. No one wanted to touch the books. You know, we right. had gloves. And, you know, right. it was like we wouldn't go to anyone's house. You know, it was right, it right. was all kind of. And um, and those yeah. did you? Sh- how long were you shut down for? I, I should have asked you that. Three earlier. months. No, three months. Okay. You know, the state, the state. Pretty much shut down the economy for like yeah. a few months. Yeah. yeah. So you were just shut down for three months and then reopened and just had everybody wearing masks and gloves yep. and all. How difficult was it those first couple of weeks when you reopened with people not wanting to wear masks and all of that? And you know, we, we didn't have too much trouble with that. No? Okay. We didn't have trouble. Um, I hear next door Harold's had a lot of trouble with, with, yeah. with that. But, but that's ice Most cream people too, complied right? with us. Yeah. We had, you know, just maybe a handful two of people. or three oh, okay. people making a... Yeah. Boss about it. I mean, it's uh, not food either that you were selling, so that would no, make it a little more challenging. No, it's not food, and uh, most I, people were respectful. Most people were okay with it. Nice. Yeah, we didn't we didn't run into that. Because I can imagine that being hard on you and the employees to be like, oh, "I'm yeah. sorry, you got to go oh, if yeah. you're not wearing that." Yeah, yeah. yeah we had a couple. Because people would be freaking out on you, and then yeah. all of a sudden it's a scene or something. We, we like didn't. That. We, we didn't get too many. Okay, glad yeah. to hear it. Yeah, glad to hear it. Yeah. All right. Well, it's uh, Betsy Frederick, the owner of the Ravens Bookstore here in Northampton, a, a feature of the downtown area. Everybody goes to great, great little bookstore. I learned a lot. I had to ask the, all of those questions because there were just a lot of rumors coming There's my way, Betsy. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to make sure this is the authentic story right here on you Panorama. Covered I covered it. You Spotlight. It, well, I got to thank you, Betsy, for coming on. Thank and you, Frank Dan. Oglesby Jr., thanks a lot for coming on, the voice of, of the MBTA. And until the next episode. 